Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and uh, once again, I have traveled, bought a plane ticket, flew all the way to Warsaw. I'm assuming not a direct flight, uh, probably went to London first or something, but now I'm, I'm here in Warsaw, and I am in the same room with uh, my friend uh, Maciek Taubert, and he's going to, uh, you're going to hear him again, this is twice in one week, uh, you just heard him talk about I've Got a Match, and on this episode, we're going to talk about the new-ish they might be giant song. The communists have the music. Clinking glasses here. I've got my iced coffee. You've got energy energy drink. I'm over here. I'm a little jet lagged being here in uh, Poland. I thought we were traveling by telephone, but whatever, you know. Hey, man! Come on, let's let's pretend this is some high budget production, and uh, you know, Punk News is flying me um, first class to interview people in a golden jet. In a golden jet, one of those. what are those really fast ones? The Concorde? Do they still make those? No, what are those? they're too deadly. They're too, <laughs> they're too deadly. How about a stealth bomber? I won't bomb you, but I just used it so that I could like get to Poland secretly. How about no, that? That's appropriate. Okay, yeah. I yeah. can roll with that. It's secret. Um, you know, I, I have thought if I uh, ever do get the Johns who agree to be on... If it's more convenient for them, I will freaking go to New York to, I mean, I, I could drive there. It would be a long drive. It would be like a 12-hour drive or fly, but I will take a day or two off of work. If I can get them on the podcast, I will do whatever necessary to make it convenient for them. And going to them would seem pretty, it would, would make it even more awesome. So, I don't know. Fingers crossed it happens. You know, I'm in contact with yeah. their management. Ever since I had Danny and Marty on, I'm in contact with their management, so it could happen. What he's told me is they cannot be on the pod at this time, but that was like a month ago, so maybe at this time. <laughs> that was before the Australia tour, so who knows? Oh, they're not very, they're not very keen on. Well, especially uh, John Donnell isn't very keen on giving interviews, so you know, yeah. uh, getting them on the podcast would really be, really be something. So I'm keeping my. Fingers crossed as well. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a long shot. Linnell, probably more of a long shot than Flansburg. But I think my, my pitch is going to be, um, and I was just talking to some other people about this, kind of spitballing what I would do. And obviously, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and get too excited. But obviously, I've had two of the five members on the band. It could happen. Uh, we're picking up steam. I'm getting some kind of like indie, indie famous level musicians to be on. You know, um, things are going well. 
if it happens, I think one way I could get Linnell talking is so to do like a free, like a regular song episode, get um, Flansburg to pick and talk about a Linnell song and get Linnell to talk about a Flansburg song and do them separately. That would be nice. Do them separately. Because mm-hmm. I think if there's anything that Linnell would like to talk about, I'm guessing he would be happy to talk about, you know, his best friend's, you know, song that he likes, you know, his bandmate, his friend of long, long time. I, I think, you know, have you ever seen Gigantic, the documentary? Yes. Uh, yes, I have seen it. I do love, um, I love those scenes. Those are some of my favorites where they're asking the John separately and they're talking about each other. Uh, it's just very endearing and, and sweet. And I think that'd be really cool angle i'd also love to talk to linnell about accordions and all the accordions he's had over the years and synthesizers of course <laughs> i've heard he's not a gearhead but obviously he knows what he wants to play and he likes what he plays so maybe he'd want to talk about that i don't know well let's talk about on this song the communists have the music both of the johns sing which i love songs where they both sing it's not always the case lots of times they're harmonizing themselves but in this one uh, the lead vocal is john linnell so i'm, I'm assuming that linnell wrote the song um, but there's also a lead in the bridge sung, sung by flansburg it was kind of like a lead single with a video off of my murdered remains it's obviously very popular among the fans those are just some little things that i like about the song why did you pick this song Magic. Oh my goodness! Uh, Big question. I just well, I just liked it. It's uh, it's uh, it has a nice uh, tune to it, a nice melody to it. It sounds like a, uh, when you if you subscribe subtracted the lyrics uh, layer from it, it is just a decent, uh, honest uh, rock and roll song that you well maybe uh, a little. A uh, bit out of uh, the its its era, like it sounds like more more like a nineties um, song to me. Like it could be easy. It's so cheerful and uh, so rocky. <laughs> it's almost uh, it almost could be the theme song for Friends. <laughs> so you mean a nineties song, not in terms of a Giants nineties song, but just a nineties rock song in general? Yes, and I mean it in the in the. Um, nicest way possible because yeah, uh, yeah. you know like this the spin doctors and all those uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. cheery cake songs that may, may not have uh, had some cheery topics uh, i think you know what i'm talking about sure yeah on an instrumental level i could see like maybe um like fountains of wayne or like Maybe like Ben Folds 5. I mean, they're another band that would have cheery sounding songs about some darker topics. Plus, you'd have the keyboard element in there as well. Um, and they were kind of punky in a way as well. And this, this song has some kind of pop punky elements almost. Like the... It's upbeat. Uh, you could jump around to it. Uh, it's got a, a nice electric guitar presence. Distorted electric guitar. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And it starts so abruptly, but then when it uh, moves from the first verse to the I'm not partial to the Marshall, I love that part where when it uh, like changes the dynamic of, of the song. I'm, I once again uh, will say that I am not, um, you know, educated musically, but uh, that's the part I like. And I think I know, you know what I mean. And, totally. Uh, apart from... 
yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> so apart from that, uh, the reason why the communists have the music is a song that uh, caught my eye, not only the year, is because uh, of the topic of communism and ideology in general. And uh, like you said, I'm from Poland and uh, it's uh, nearly impossible to live in this country and uh, not have a, an opinion or a <laughs> uh, at least you know some feelings towards it well uh, let's get so right into that then what are your feelings on communism <laughs> oh man uh, <laughs> let's focus on the song for a moment okay fine i'm just very excited to hear th this part of it the lyrics are are fantastic even even taking away the subject matter just the pure rhyme schemes that linnell comes up with the rhymes are incredible um i got handed an Ayn Rand sandwich straight from the can it tasted so bland uh just all of that in there all the internal rhyme i believe is what you would call that uh, from a poetry perspective i asked a lass to pass me a glass of engel's conditions of the working class <laughs> just there's it's crammed full of wonderful rhymes um and the lyric like i just i wish i could write lyrics like this it's it's playful in a way because of all the rhymes but the subject matter um is serious it's a serious subject matter handled in a light lighter fashion just by the wordplay that's going on there and then the um the whole thing about like the the music and the communism um so they're talking about like like uh, like mccarthy trials perhaps like the, explain my mm -hmm. un-american activity they're gonna see they made a mistake if they'd only let me play my mixtape. <laughs> like there's mixtape of communist music. He's like, I'm only, I'm just into the music because the communists have the music. It's it's wonderful even on a surface level because, um, so we grew up in very different uh, places and in when I was in junior high and high school, um, the weird kids that that were into some different kinds of rock and roll but well kids kids would proclaim themselves either so teenagers would either proclaim themselves uh an anarchist or a communist and both of those really? were considered like um Hip. Oh yeah I'm I'm so cool I'm into politics you know communism is you know well it's never been um well, it's never been really successfully implemented. Uh, that is the way that humans should live. We're all equal, blah, blah, blah. Um, the kind of thing where um, high schoolers try to make you out like they're smarter or cooler than they really are. Yeah, it's a high school thing. Mm -hmm. Same with like anarchy. Like punks and anarchy always, they, they go together uh, in, in that they like to graffiti like the A with the circle around it, the anarchy symbol, um, and say they're anarchists, but then rely on the government for so many things that they don't even realize, and they would be totally up shit's Creek if there was no government. <laughs> and they're living with their parents anyway, so, I mean, what do they really know? 
<laughs> well, yeah, that sums it up. Uh, are you? Is that? Uh, does, does that reflect your feelings about the about this particular song? I mean, do you uh, like associate it with the uh, t- uh, teenage and ad- adolescent endearment with the extreme ideologies? Yeah, yeah, I'd say kind of. You know, I think. Well, since this is a newer song, I haven't had as long to think about it, uh, or as long to be to be listening to it. So I, I think. I kind of wanted to talk through it with you, and that's a lot of times what I what I do. You know, I don't have this concrete, you know, set in stone. Like I like to be convinced by my guests of certain things or shown certain things by my guests. But I, I think, the, yeah. The, so the anarchists and the communists. So you've got in the what is this like the third verse, um, or I guess it's like maybe the the B section of the song when it comes back around. I'm not jealous of the zealous or or anarchists with guitar picks uh so there so this person is equating is saying that anarchists have cool music too you know they play guitars um uh the fascists don't have the music but the anarchists and the communists have the music um but he's not jealous of the anarchists he likes the communists i don't know it's it's it is kind of putting those two together as like things that are seen as cool with uh rock and rollers i guess i don't know what, what do you think about that that pitch i'm making here this loose hypothesis uh, well what i tend to um the, the the interpretation for this song i tend to lean to is one i i think i read on uh misc t uh-huh. uh the facebook group um i think there uh that's um this either is about uh, how easily people get uh, entangled with some sort of belief system only for uh, one cool aspect of it, uh-huh. like, you know, Che Guevara t-shirts, etc., <laughs> and those cool uh, uniforms by Hugo Boss. Oh, the Nazis were so cool. Oh, come on, grow up. Oh, um, God. Uh, just side note, Cara, uh, my wife has a t-shirt that's kind of a play on now she she studies she's a professor of um uh, spanish literature primarily uh, hispanic literature and um is a fan of che guevara for reasons that are much more educated than 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 most people though she sees you know the downfalls of of a lot of his thinkings you know she knows the the full story but she has a t-shirt that was sold by i believe it's sold by the onion you're familiar with the onion the the parody newspaper yeah. Right. Yeah. So they had a T-shirt. It's it's Che Guevara wearing a Che Guevara shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh my. Yeah. It's it's very it's meta. So it's a T-shirt with Che Guevara on it wearing, and he is wearing a Che Guevara shirt. <laughs> well, uh, it does it does what does Kara like Che Guevara for? Does, is that uh, oh is well? I'd have to get I don't, work. I don't want to get. Uh, I don't want to put words in her mouth. I would have to get her. She's at work right now. Um, well, she's just uh, she, you know, she studies literature, which is entangled with the history of, you know, all you know. She focused primarily on, um, I guess, Mexican and Mexican American literature. So that's I not see. that's South American stuff is not her focus, but she's been all over South America, and so have I, uh, with her. Um, mm-hmm. And we're a big fan of like sh- like the Motorcycle Diaries as a book and as a movie. Um, it, it, he just has a, has a cool life story. Um, e- e- even even putting the ideology aside, like the uh, 
he's just led a very interesting life and had a, a goal and worked hard to try and achieve that. And, you know, whether, you know, he um, did that or you agree with his politics, you know, he was he was a very interesting mm-hmm. figure in, uh, you know, Latino uh, history, I suppose. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. Thank you for uh, for satisfy- satiating my my curiosity. <laughs> I tried. My wife's a lot smarter on those things than I am, and a lot better wordsmith. I can only talk about music in in smart sounding ways. Any other topic, it's a little iffy. Well, good for you. I can't even talk about that. So sounding smart. Uh, well, anyway, the, uh, the other meaning for this song that I thought was uh, well applied. Uh, really, was that not only do people get um, uh, into some ideologies, some philosophies um, because of the little things, um, but also that maybe it is okay to do so because uh, as long as that's the only thing that uh, you know that uh, you find uh, attractive, um, you know. If only they uh, let me play my mixtape, then they would surely <laughs> understand that. Because, I mean, come on, listen to this. You have to listen to this. Listen to Tachanka or listen to Warszawianka, and you'll know instantly that the communists really do have the music. And, you know, the, the fascist music just doesn't cut it. So, <laughs> yeah, do you, do you have uh, something? Is there something that you have in mind, a, a particular song that we should play to to com- convince everybody out there that not, that Linnell is correct and that the communists do have the music. <laughs> well, um, I have plenty, and uh, neither of them, uh, none of them are. They might be giant songs. Yeah, Maybe that's what later I mean. I will, I will send you some 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 links. Okay. Um, but uh, what I uh, meant was that uh, communism, like many other systems, but communism especially, um, try to implement in real life the idea of brotherhood of men. And the problem with the brotherhood of men is that we don't talk about the brotherhood of men. What we can do is sing about it. So Mm. all those songs that have been written over all those years about empowering the weakest uh, social spheres, the, the weakest classes, um, and um, also, it's like a, um, how do you call it? Uh, it's like saying it's going to be okay. You're going to do fine. It's not going to be like this forever. Those walls are going to cr- uh, crackle and and crumble. And mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, and communism music, communist music isn't only um, that made in communist countries. I've got well, I, I have a guilty pleasure of uh, listening to North Korean music, and I know that uh, what ah. sort of a country that is, and uh, that yeah. has nothing to do with the Brotherhood of Men. This is like uh, directly imported from Stalinist Russia, Stalinism, and yeah. then converted into uh, into Korean standards, making and disfigured in more ways than I I, yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, maybe it would be hard for you to pick. I, I didn't have you prepare this ahead of time, but is there anything uh, that we could drop a clip in here that I could drop in in post? Even if you just tell me, like, an artist or a group 
um, that I could play, e- even if you, you decide on the song later and send me send me a link there. What's 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 something you like that from North Korea? That's you know sim- modern era. So you have anything in mind there that puts you on the spot? There are lots of songs that are uh, about uh, a beautiful spring day or a campfire, but there are also songs of snipers, songs of nurses, and this oh. song is simply called People's Power, and it has a, a, a single uh, lady vocalist, uh, lead vocalist, and it has an army choir, and it has uh, awkward North Korean synthesizers, uh, the whole lot that I like about this music. Do you know how to speak Korean? <laughs> no, not at all. I tried learning it, uh, but uh, lacked the perseverance. <laughs> so let's see, what are they called? The Punchumbo Ensemble? I don't know if I'm putting uh, yeah, the accents. The, the Pochonobo, Pochonobo. Uh, electronic ensemble. Uh, yeah. I think Pochonobo. I always call it that in my head, but like I said, I don't speak Korean, so it might be. Well, yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting to think how uh, North Korea being the Stalinist uh, dictatorship that it is, a, 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 you know, a, a tiny uh, enclave of that particular uh, ideology in the world, uh, and a nuclear superpower also <laughs> well not super not a superpower but a power um, they have like everything is everything that happens there has to be le- legally sanctioned by the state so they have like three official music groups that do well they have all sorts of in- instruments and they have uh, electric guitars and synthesizers and an army choir and uh, of course always a lovely lady with an angelic voice that uh, sings praise of the soldiers and the nurses and the snipers and mm-hmm. the, uh, heroes mm-hmm. and uh, they um, they basically are responsible for all the pop music that happens there they have I read somewhere that they have uh, um, two kinds of music that is uh, folk music, as they call it, uh-huh. uh, that is the legal, legally accessible music, and yep. then there is jazz. Jazz is all music that is from the outside world. Oh wow! And uh, it's and it's hardly uh, ever um, officially appreciated. Uh, huh. Although a friend of mine showed me a concert performed live by Leibach uh, in North Korea, so maybe things are changing there. A little bit. Wow. So the music that Americans call jazz, which, I mean, that's one type of music that we can fully claim, you know, um, that we, I mean, really to an exact city, New Orleans, Louisiana, is where they invented jazz. And, you know, it's got a lot of defining characteristics like swung eighth notes. Usually there's brass involved. Um, there's improvisational techniques involved. So when they say jazz, they're not talking about that. They're just talking about it's stuff that's not the native folk music. Um, yes, generally Western music they call wow. jazz. The, the same way huh. they call any American uh, imperialist dog a Yankee. <laughs> yeah, I think around here, even still in modern times, uh, if someone was from like 
Georgia or Alabama, they would not take kindly to being called a Yankee. <laughs> At least the older <laughs> generations, because that is for the Northerners. All of us people that didn't want to own slaves. <laughs> How dare you call me a Yankee? My ancestors own slaves, and I'm proud of it. I don't know. It's very weird. Um, the world is a complicated place. Seriously. Uh, is, is Poland, like, the only place in the world that did not uh, uh, take slaves? <laughs> for, for all of your history, you guys, uh, the, the, the Polish people never enslaved anybody, did they? Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that Poland didn't, or the states that existed where Poland is now, uh, never actually got involved in slavery, slavery as uh, the, uh, well, as your country know, knows it. I mean, it, it wasn't a, a business. It was, uh, it, it happened back when it happened in all societies across the uh, known European civilization and not only because slavery happened in many places in the world and it was just basically the the part of the the system I guess I'm not yeah. very good at uh, medieval Polish history but I'm sure that something like that happened like the serfs uh, back then. yeah so like they're almost like they're enslaving their own people not a foreign people but like there's the the peasants right the people ruling feudalism right that's what what it's called that would be the word yes yes um but communism you know the history of communism i'm not i can't say i'm thoroughly studied on it i mean what well, what was it like living in poland so you guys were not part of the ussr is that right but you were adjacent uh yes we were in the in the ussr's uh, circle of influence so uh -huh. to speak yeah uh which was uh, well, which was agreed upon by the superpowers, including the Soviet Union, the United States, and uh, Britain. Um, it was agreed in the Yalta conference um, somewhere late in the war. And uh, after the war, um, as you probably know, Europe was uh, divided into two zones by the proverbial uh, Iron cur Curtain. Mm -hmm. uh, so Poland got under the influence of... Uh, of the Soviet Union, and uh, they, of course, it posed as an independent country. Uh, what happened was that uh, the members of the, well, the remaining members that happened to survive the war of uh, communist and socialist parties were um, trained by uh, by the Soviets, and uh, with their blessing, they established the United Polish People, uh, the United, the Polish United Workers Party. I think that's the translation. Ah, uh -huh. So um, it didn't happen immediately after the war. There was where some transitional period. Of course, I am simplifying it. But sure. uh, what happened was uh, we ended up with a single party. I mean. Uh, I sometimes laugh at uh, the United States and uh, Britain for having two parties only. And how is that, you know, <laughs> how can that be called democracy? But then I remember, all right, we had only one at one point. So what year were you born? I was born in 1983. So okay. I'm afraid I didn't uh, experience much of that state, the People's Republic of Poland, to tell you about it, because I went to school in 1989, and you know that 1890 were the years where the People's Republic was uh, dismantled. Yeah. Um, I have some uh, 
tiny some slight uh, flashbacks of uh, life before I went to school that is under the People's Republic. But uh, as a little child, I couldn't really truly understand it. Right. Um, like the the only thing I think I remember is that when in 1986 uh, the Chernobyl disaster happened in the Ukraine, uh-huh. uh, well in the Soviet Union back then, um, they uh, well after it finally um, came to light after the, they acknowledged that it actually happened, they organized uh, spots where uh, children were gathered and uh, they were given. Uh, medicine to uh, prevent radiation sickness. So I remember that medicine. I remember its taste very clearly. Wow! Uh, but apart from uh, also one phenomenon, a phenomenon I remember were the uh, juice dispensers. Uh, I think I uh, lived also when some of them were remaining because it was highly unhygienical. They had uh, like a huge. A uh, dispenser with uh, one slot where there was uh, always a glass, and it was for everyone to share, and it would dispense uh, like water with with syrup. Wow! Uh, on, a, on a sunny day. Oh, uh, so, so I remember drinking that too, but not the taste. Uh, I, I remember the the radiation medicine taste, but not the juice. <laughs> what did it taste like? Oh man, it was so um, bitter. It like it's like. Uh, when you when you take uh, a wet rag and try to wring it and uh, so that the water comes out, it's it's like this happened to all the all my tongue and my throat <laughs> when, when I drank it. Um, it was horrible, but uh, oh, well, weird. thanks to that, I don't have a radiation sickness. So you know, God <laughs> yeah, bless them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, are you uh, are you caught up on the uh, the episodes of the podcast here? Did you listen to episode sixteen with Franz Nikolai? Oh man, chance. I was so I'm so behind. I'm so behind with your podcast. I'm ashamed now. Well, I think you know this is a, this is a podcast where you can jump around. You don't necessarily have to listen to them in order, but I think you'd be interested in that one. So, friends, Nikolai, he's he's American. He's of Eastern European descent, but he's actually in uh, Kiev right now. He's in the Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, because his wife is um, a musicologist and she's studying music over there uh and and franz is a um i mean he's a professional accordionist basically and keyboardist mm-hmm. uh, i'm not sure for, if you're familiar with his his main bands uh the hold steady are a um rock kind of pub rock classic rock style um indie rock i suppose it would be more accurate type of band and he plays primarily keyboards but some accordion uh and he's in another more kind of punk um political type band called um uh world inferno friendship society are you familiar with either of those uh no the hold steady i think you would really enjoy they're another one of my favorite uh, lyrical bands uh craig finn the the front man of that band is is known for his unique vocal delivery and kind of like a half spoken half sung kind of thing and does um spins really good uh mostly fictional stories um i mean he talks about life through these stories he's basically writing novels and these these uh you know these songs and and characters that return and stuff like that um there's some similarities to my other favorite band which is the mountain goats uh if you haven't heard them i would check them out too but anyway he's a professional accordionist and he has some very strong thoughts um on 
basically the politics surrounding the instrument of the accordion because the accordion really has not been considered a cool instrument uh in the u.s um since like the 40s or whatever like you used to see them in jazz bands and big bands because they were a keyboard instrument that didn't need to be uh amplified because they're pretty loud just by themselves um Mm -hmm. there was the lawrence welk show famously featured an accordionist um but since the 40s and 50s at the latest, the, the accordion has been seen as kind of a dorky instrument. And he related that to how uh, there's, there's a large faction of the U.S. that does not like new people coming in, and it's always been like that. The irony is that, you know, us white people, were not the natives, so we're all immigrants, uh, you know, some generations back. But we've, like... There was a thing, like, the Italians came in in, you know, the 1800s, um, started immigrating in in waves, a lot of accordion in, in Italian music. Then the, the Irish came, a lot of accordion in Irish music. Then Eastern Europeans came, a lot of accordion in, in that music. Like, he had a very good um, argument that a lot of what's seen, uh, the, or- the accordion is seen as uncool because it's seen as, like, a working-class immigrants instrument and not a high-class instrument not a um i don't know i guess um what's what i'm looking for kind of like the the uh, like throughout time you know even before we had um well i mean there's always the 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 racism to, i mean we've already touched on slavery and, and you know people of color there's always been racism there, even today, um, unfortunately. But even within white people, you know, when a new group of white people would come over, Europeans, uh, they were always met with, uh, you know, hardship and um, discrimination, and their musics were seen as lesser music. And the accordion was a big part of many of those countries' musics. So uh, it's a very interesting episode. I think you'd enjoy it. Um, And, yeah, like I said, he's a professional accordionist. And we talk shop on accordion quite a bit. And if you want to learn about the accordion uh, as an instrument, as well as his thoughts on it uh, politically and what the accordion represents to him, uh, it's, it's very very good episode it's also our longest episode to date two hours and six minutes (laughs) okay i have to listen to it because i'm i'm always interested in the um well the geeky details of some of of history of some idea or uh, of some item or -hmm. some invention so and uh if uh, he makes the uh, a point about uh thinking that uh, according to is is uh, dorky because uh, of racism, then I'm definitely listening to that one. Yeah, it's something that I had never really thought about, probably because I've never seen the accordion as dorky. I think a lot of people, a lot of hipsters, like, it, he also talked about how uh, accordions have kind of come back up in uh, indie rock a little bit in the U.S. and in Canada, especially, um, and he, he hypothesized that a lot of hipsters have had taken it up because you'd find them cheap in like a Goodwill because, you know, someone's grandma or grandpa died off and it was in the attic so they could buy it cheaply, mm-hmm. but also because like they take it up almost ironically. And to me, mm-hmm. I, I've never played the accordion ironically. It's been a part of my family's, <laughs> my family's history and also music I've liked since I was little. I mean, I legit love Weird Al. And then soon after... 
got into They Might Be Giants. So to me, accordions have always been a part of rock and roll as well as like the folk musics of, um, you know, the traditionally that come down the line in my ancestry. So, um, but he, he, it's a very, it's a very good episode. I'll just tell you that. Like, not only is he a cool kind of the one, one of the most famous guests I've had on so far, um, but he's very well spoken and has some very um, well informed opinions on music and is a professional musician that plays the accordion. So it was a very unique episode. Um, but let's see, to get back a little bit on topic of the, uh, maybe we should talk about this song some more. So we were talking about, um, so as, as far as someone who grew up pretty close to a hub of communism, um, and perhaps a little bit after the fact, uh, you know, of the communist rule, but w- what are your, I bet you have some takes on the lyrics that, um, I wouldn't necessarily see or understand as much. Like for one thing, he mentions, um, angles, the conditions of the working class. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, from the context, I can tell that is probably an important text. Uh, do you have, do you know this book? No, I don't actually. It's the first time I hear of it from I, I heard of, of it from from this song. Yeah, um, and it surprised me that they, apart from not only mentioning the topic of communism in general, they also you know threw in that uh, the, the title of a, of an obscure, well maybe not obscure if you're a if you're a Marxism scholar, but uh, obscure to me um, publication. Okay, so I'm just um, I'm just I'm just bringing up the Wikipedia here. I'm not not claiming to know anything about this text myself, but it's the the condition of the working class in England is the full name of the title. Um, though it was written in German, it's a 1845 book by German philosopher Friedrich Engels, uh, a study of the industrial working class in Victorian England, and it was his first book originally written in German, uh, Die Lage der Arbeitenden Klasse in England. Uh, and it was translated to English in 1885 when he was staying in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, yeah, that's true. That's what they said uh, during the Manchester concert, that it was actually wi- written there. So I learned more from them than, uh, them than I ever, or from the Giants, <laughs> from the Mad Giants, than from, you know, any book I've read <laughs> regarding that topic. <laughs> There's like a little summary here, just so people listening, because I don't know how many people have, maybe some people have gone ahead and, and, and looked into this stuff. I mean, depending on how big of a Giants fan you are and how much time you have on your hands to, to look into these little details, a passing line in the lyrics. Um, but so Engels shows um, that in large industrial cities such as Manchester and Liverpool, mortality from disease like smallpox, measles, scarlet fever was four times that uh, and in the surrounding countryside and mortality from convulsions was 10 times as high. So people were dying, uh, and you know, he was studying why they were dying and it obviously had to a lot to do with the mills, um, factories and, and a just new society this. that was emerging with the industrial revolution, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. But Interesting. Th- now that you mentioned it, uh, it actually kind of, uh, has a, a, a new meaning to me, this whole song. Maybe it's not just about how kids these days or 
in any days uh, gets uh, hooked on some philosophy uh, or another, which is expressed, I think, with the uh, fragment, I hear a melody and just as suddenly I know who I'm supposed to be, you know, because, uh, on a whim you join in uh, a, a, like a, a church or something. But also maybe social commentary, maybe there's uh, some traces of uh, what Engels was uh, talking about in uh, that book, uh, maybe some of that is uh, repeating itself nowadays because apart, uh, well, the life expectancy nowadays is uh, definitely longer than them and we no longer uh, at least the so-called civilized uh, countries don't uh, condone child labor uh, but uh, the inequalities uh, I, I saw some you know graphs uh, that show inequalities over time and they are developing in a way that makes the rich people richer and the poor people yeah. poorer oh, yeah. and the middle class is like evaporating it's it's disappearing yeah uh, so more and more people are uh, living be beneath the poverty line so maybe there's something to it yeah uh, to this song more than just uh, you know what we talked about earlier but i mean it could still kind of play along with the the angle that it's a young person really getting into music and then forming an identity like uh, i mean a lot of uh teenagers base their identity around the type of music they like like there's goths mm -hmm. there's punks there's metalheads um and so this particular kid let's just say it's a high schooler uh has gotten into the music maybe maybe gotten into communism just through the music but then the next step would be well i, I clearly need to know a little bit about this and as much as high schoolers will want to do uh work outside of school you know they're not mostly not going to want to make their own homework uh for themselves but they're like well if, if people you know want to you know try me like what do i really know about communism maybe i should read you know, Engels conditions of the working class. Maybe I should know how to sing the international. Uh, it says, I don't need a rationale to sing the international. Uh, are you familiar with, with the history of that song? Cause I, I'm not really, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Do you know that song? I'm not really. Well, I know the song and I know that it was translated in nearly all languages yeah. on earth. It was written originally and, uh, in French. Yes. Eugene Potier. Um, mm-hmm. 1816 1887 previously a member of paris the paris commune um oh originally intended to be sung to the tune of la marseille uh, my french is i cannot speak french la marseille marseilles i don't know french leave out so many letters you pretty much just drop like the last seven <laughs> letters there's just no consonants at the end um and that song is um the national anthem of france however you say it um so essentially it was originally intended to be stealing that melody and uh with different lyrics and so it's a basically it's a leftist left-wing anthem uh kind of like the socialist movement theme song you know or, or f rallying mm -hmm. fight song i suppose would be a better better term uh since the late 19th century um yeah, the Second International adopted it as its official anthem, and the title uh, first arises from First International, an alliance of workers which held a Congress in 1864. Um, Eugene Potier considered himself an anarchist, uh, in fact, but we've got um, 
The original French refrain translated, This is the final struggle. Let us group together and tomorrow the Internationale will be the human race. Yeah, that's that's more or less how it goes uh, in all languages, yes. Interesting. I'm learning things. <laughs> now, I can really relate to the next words. I don't need a rationale to sing the Internationale. I only need to plug in the headphone jack so I can listen to my backing track. <laughs> Especially, I love it that... It is a very powerful song, so yeah. it's a really good, uh, you know, uh, like uh, something to get you going. Yeah. I like how right after that kind of thinking, you know, that line that makes you think or, or look into what the International is, if you don't already know, then he immediately, he's pretty much referencing like early Giants in a way by saying he's got a backing track. Because the Giants had backing tracks back in the day. My band had backing tracks when it was just Kara and I. So he's saying, like, so uh, is this about a young Linnell? Did he consider himself to be a communist? I don't know. I think that's too far of a stretch to make. But he's basically saying uh, that maybe he's writing his own communist anthems. Uh, in the spirit of the international, and he's going to convince these people it's all good, man. You know, communist music is just cool. Just l- let me sing it to you, but I got to plug in my, you know, got to fire up the backing track. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about it uh, more like a soundtrack to one's day, but uh, your interpretation is uh, far more interesting because I started imagining what beautifully insane lyrics would uh, communist anthems written by by Linnell have sure um, yeah and, and it could mean that but i mean that's like what outdoor velour we, we call it our backing tracks like the stuff that had the drums and you know maybe the keyboards on the stuff that we couldn't play live we call it our backing track and that's typically what they'd refer to mm-hmm. the giants okay. early stuff they'd have a tape machine up there that had the backing track you know they play the guitar so live the keyboards live too. okay there you go yeah yeah I mean, maybe that phrasing was just a little confusing then, but yeah, the backing track. Um, yeah, this is it's, it's a really it's a really fucking good song. I mean, let's just say that <laughs> it's it's one of the best of 2018. I think like I like fun. The album was excellent, um, and then my murder remains just by its nature. It's a double album essentially, though they really they mm-hmm. kind of say that like the first disc is like the album, and then there's like bonus tracks. But I think most people kind of just call it one long thing. And most double albums throughout rock and roll's history tend to be a little sprawling, and there are some weaker tracks and some stronger tracks. This, I mean, I don't. Is it my favorite off of my murdered remains? Possibly. Again, it's it's so new of an album, but it is definitely one of my favorites and one of the strongest tracks. And obviously, they think so too. To put it first, and make you know one of the best music videos I think for all of the um, 2018 Dial a Song, My Murdered Remains songs. You've seen the music video? It's an animated music music video, isn't it? Yeah, very cool uh, style to the animation. You got any, any thoughts yeah, on the yes, music video? I've seen it. Um, I didn't even I, I didn't give it uh, much thought. It's uh, it, it definitely has a distinct style. Um, I I would do it differently, but then again, I didn't, so <laughs> I won't say anything. <laughs> You're allowed to have negative opinions. So there were things about you didn't well, like. Uh, it was kind of repetitive uh, to me, but then again. Uh, there are many, many, many music videos of They Might Be Giants uh, that are uh, like nothing more than 
um, di direct and uh, literal interpretation of what's uh, what lyrics are happening at a given time. So, uh, and then again, the early uh, I think Bernstein uh, Adam Bernstein's videos are uh, true masterpieces, and I like them a lot. Uh, this music video for um, by the time you get this um, is uh, is also very cool because it uh, sort of resembles that early early style. Uh, their first music videos had like the the sped up uh, footage, etc. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think. Well, one of the things is that music videos definitely are, and and they might be giant. They might be giants, really. I'll, I'll say specifically, their music videos. Uh, I, I draw a pretty distinct line between what came out on uh, direct from Brooklyn and then what came after that. So they had um, started picking up some steam and getting. You know, they were on labels. They were on Bar None and then Electra. They had a label and some money behind them to make videos. And they would be videos typically that they were in. They were in the videos. I mean, outside of, mm -hmm. you know, like Hotel Detective was a cartoon, um, but there were still live scenes of them uh, interspersed with that. Um, Istanbul was all, I think, like stop motion, paper mache type stuff. But for the most part, they were pretty... Pretty high budget. I mean, probably not high as high a budget as like a Guns N' Roses video or something. <laughs> um, but they had some money behind them and they were like, you know, proper music videos in the sense of like the MTV era and like the alternative rock era. And so then they left Elektra and were on Restless and then were, were, have pretty much been on their own label, Idlewild, for a really long time. And so they've been very self-sufficient. Like, so they had Dr. Worm, I kind of consider the last of the era of, um, like the big budget proper nineties music videos. And that was in the nineties. So that, that makes sense there. Um, cause now they're pretty much making, you know, making their own music videos kind of in house. I mean, they're, they're obviously having other artists are involved with the cartoons and there are directors involved. A lot of people they use, uh, repeatedly that they, they are fans of, um, and that do good work, but I don't think the budgets are nearly as high as they were in the 90s. So that's why a lot of them are animated, a lot of them are more repetitive, um, and you'll, like, out of, out of all the songs they released, I mean, there was some kind of video with every song they released in 2018, I believe, um, but the ones that featured actual people on f film, you know, either the Giants or, like, the greatest that had Nick Offerman. Um, mm -hmm. Out of all those Wednesdays of music videos, I don't think there were more than 10 of them that had, like, the actual film, you know? Most of them were animated. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and that's a lot cheaper to do. So, um, that's kind of why I think, you know, this was the single off of this. So you can tell as far as animated videos, there's a lot more that went into this than say like chip, the chip has a pretty, and like uh, Duncan, of course, of course, is almost pretty much just like the cartoonist drawings or the comic, the comic uh, guys drawings, like with very minimal, very minimal. I don't know if you'd even call it animation. It's more just like different frames. Um, very, very cheaply made. I'm sure. Still entertaining and fun to watch, but they don't have the replay value 
of like the proper 90s videos. So I'd say, as far as anime videos go, I'd say uh, to end this this whole monologue, I'd say the communists have the music. <laughs> that it, it is one of the sharper looking animated videos of 2018, mm-hmm. and I really like the visual aesthetic there. It's very clean looking. The like the the, the monochromatic, just grays, whites, blacks, very sharp looking. Um, I, I'm a big fan of it stylistically. There is some repetition, though, like like you said. So um, it, it's maybe a middle ground video. It's not one of the highest budget videos of last year, but it's also not the most simplistic. It kind of sits right in the middle there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think the best music video uh, to a song for from the My Murdered Remains album is uh, Last Wave, Aerosmith and Run DMC. <laughs> Which they've been using for... Were they using that just on this tour? Or had they been using that earlier? I'm not knowing off the top of my head if the... Um... Well, they the, the played it uh, during the uh, the break between the sets uh, right. in Manchester, so... I'm just wondering if they debuted it on the, the I Like Fun tour or if they had been using it earlier... But yeah, it definitely is is really cool how they sync it up, because um, that's that's a very big video. Were you were you familiar with that song? I mean, you would have been really young when that song came out. The Walk This Way, Walk This Way, um, uh, Run yes, DMC version. Yes, that's one of the more iconic uh, videos of of my youth. Yeah, uh, saying it with this, uh, I would you know I would share it on social media and people would just oh like 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 because they yeah. like the original song they wouldn't even watch it with yeah, all this craziness yeah. and I and I couldn't stop watching it. It was amazing how they. It's great way to make music videos really on the you know uh, on a budget. Uh, just take one that's been already made made and uh, make a song that uh, matches it. I mean, I think though they must have had to have. Yeah, I don't think making it would have cost that much but i'm sure they paid some licensing fees to be yeah, able to well, use that footage because they're they're gonna go above board they're a big enough band that they would be called out and like cease and desist or sued or whatever for using that footage i'm sure they had to pay a, a decent amount of money to use that footage i have no idea how much that would be but it is a very cool idea and uh, a band that i know Actually, you're going to enjoy the name of this band. They're from Springfield, Missouri, which I'm sure you have no idea where Springfield, Missouri is, let alone Missouri. Um, their band is called Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin, is the name of the oh. band. <laughs> and it's usually abbreviated to S-S-L-Y-B-Y. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very long and wieldy name. Really good kind of indie pop band. And they actually had a video uh, where they took Aerosmith footage and synced it up with their song in a way where it looked like he was singing it, like different shots of Steven Tyler and like the way that his mouth was moving would sync up with the words of the song and all the ridiculous um, stage moves that he has, humping the stage and swinging the mic stand around and stuff like that. So just just a little shout out to Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin, because I just talked to Philip Dickey, their lead singer, just agreed to be on this podcast. So uh, him and his wife are going to do an episode later. I was just talking to him earlier today, so I'll give him a little plug there. <laughs> oh, 
I'm just uh, looking at the at the music video you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, did you find it? Let me. Uh, yeah, I found it. Let, let me just give a give it a quick listen. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, back in the saddle is the name of the song. to watch the original do you think it's uh, re-edited or do they well if you skip the ahead they might be giant if if you skip ahead you'll see it's from multiple live live footage it's ah, not okay. like it starts with this okay. unplugged one but if you skip ahead to the harder rocking part of the song you'll see they're in all different outfits from all different videos um so really he was pulling from any any aerosmith footage he can find Cool. And I, th- I think I think Philip actually did it all himself. Um, they're pretty savvy with making their own like promotional videos and stuff. So they're, they're on the label Polyvinyl, or they put out a lot of stuff on the label Polyvinyl, which is a well-respected indie label around here. I'm not sure if you would have heard of it. Um, but a lot of bands I really, really like are on Polyvinyl. And these guys are amazing. This album was produced by Chris Walla, who was in Death Cab for Cutie. Are you familiar with that band? I'm familiar with the song. So Death Cab is a pretty big band. And usually Boris Yeltsin is kind of all in-house, kind of like they might be giants. And they typically record their own albums. But this was the one time they went with a bigger producer. And Chris Walla was um, was definitely the biggest producer they've worked with. Though they've since gone back to just doing it themselves. I think they just like to have that complete control. And that's one thing that kind of ties them to uh, the way they might be giants work uh, in their own little world. Really cool guys. So back to, I'm just looking at the wiki for the communists have the music. Um, well, for one thing, this song is ranked number 14 out of 906 songs in the wiki database. 14. So above it, every song above it, well, the neck rolls aren't working is somehow above this though i think the communists have have the music is a much better song than the neck rolls though that that is a good song as well so do i it's a good song as well but it just doesn't have the uh the oomph lyrically really good music but the the communist definitely has a leg up with the lyrics so but other than that everything above it is pretty pretty classic i mean can't keep johnny down is um a newer song let's get this over with is a newer song but primarily the top 10 is comprised of what you'd think it would be birdhouse anna ing uh don't let's start she's an angel dr Warren until my head falls off um but yeah these couple of new ones have snuck into the top 20 uh and I think it's just because we are excited about new music. And when a new song comes out, people are going to go on the wiki and they're going to smash that 10 score. They're going to give it a 10 <laughs> and it's going to fly up, you know, the, the, the charts, so to speak, the nerd charts on our, our little wiki here. Um, 
So that, that's kind of crazy. I think it's just a surge. I, I think it's just a surge of uh, new fans and uh, fans who are um, so um, enchanted with uh, with those new albums, which are which are quite uh, quite good and uh, enjoyable. Yes. Uh, but I think it's going to this uh, ranking you're talking about is going to find its equilibrium soon, at least uh, with the next album they release. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder when that's going to be. They uh, they probably dried the well up pretty much uh, releasing that much music in 2018. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that uh, that Linnell and, and Flansburg have, have new songs in the work, works already because I think they probably just cannot physically stop writing songs. It's kind of a, you know, a lifelong obsession for them just writing music and they can't help themselves. But... I can't see a new album coming out uh, maybe by the end of the year, if they're crazy. But really, if they took the year off without releasing any proper album, I wouldn't uh, hold it against them (laughs) after last year. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think it would be even healthy for them to take a vacation. I'm genuinely worried that they uh, will, uh, you know, take too much work on themselves. Yeah, yeah. They're a hardworking band, to say the least. Um, Definitely. So, I wanted to send you... I've got one cover version. I've only found one cover version. Um, though I haven't checked SoundCloud. So, um, this guy that goes by... I, I've played his stuff quite a bit on episodes. Um, I think, actually, a lot of the stuff that might air after this one... Um, this guy who goes by the name Astral B, Daryl Till is his name, and I'm going to send you a video of him covering The Communists Have the Music, perhaps in an open mic or something. It looks like him doing a little solo thing on uh, electric piano uh, on keyboard here, so let me send you this via Messenger, and you can just check it out. He does a very rollicking, fast fast cover of it and it was when the song was brand new and he even says in the description he's like yeah i screwed up the lyrics a little bit so what yeah (laughs) because he had just learned it along with the rest of us yes this was performed uh, october 29th and the song had just come out on september 11th of 2018 Mm -hmm. so the song was just a month and a half about six weeks old when he was he was already performing it in the background they haven't turned off the tv and it's got the nightmare before christmas playing in the background <laughs> maybe that's uh, you know uh like a background video the way uh, they might be giants do it in their concert <laughs> yeah that's, that, his, that's video his of choice that's his version of run dmc <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, i've actually I, I i actually heard that uh, song because i follow that uh, the facebook group and uh, sometimes uh, links pop up and i yep i really love it uh, i i didn't get to the part when he makes the mistake but i really love the energy he has i mean that's i think that's the way this song is supposed to be uh 
played because there are some some they might be giant songs there are pe oh, well any songs um people try to cover in different ways to give them their unique touch and uh, of course it's uh, well the whole purpose of art is you know sharing your uh, unique touch with the world but uh, some of them trying to sing them too slow or making it uh, forcefully making a song a slow song uh just doesn't work and it wouldn't work for this one i think um it's mm -hmm. really energetic and I, i i i love the way the way he <clears throat> smashes that piano yeah yeah it's great um oh i just stumbled upon this that we should have talked about when we talked about the video uh just very briefly i'll say that the the guy that did uh david plunkert who did the animation also did or he led the animation team did the new yorker cover uh with trump blowing uh a, a well in a sailboat blowing a sail that looks like a ku klux ku klux klan hood have you seen this oh yes 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 i've seen it uh, yeah. actually that's uh I, I couldn't wait uh, till that uh, video comes out, and uh, when it did uh, come out, that was the first bit of information I uh, read that it was uh, done by a um, by a New Yorker cartoonist. Uh, and I enjoyed the New Yorker cartoons, which maybe made me a bit disappointed with the video itself because my expectations were too high. Uh, but yeah, that cartoon you're talking about, I, I, I liked a lot. Yeah, I just I just had to make sure we mentioned that because that is a pretty big uh, and they might be giants are very very public about their their politics and and do not hold back like a lot of celebrities and bands just kind of maintain a po politic politics list just like neutral stance just to not offend anybody they might be giants are pretty uh, if you like they might be giants you're gonna have to be okay with. Um, left-wing politics in the u.s because <laughs> they will trash trump all over the place so that that was probably you know maybe maybe they heard about that guy when he did that cover you know a year before and um and said uh, let's hire this guy <laughs> yeah possibly possibly well trump is uh, really too sometimes to me it's uh, too easy of a target uh because uh, come on it's uh <laughs> almost like uh, there is a glitch in the simulation and something went horribly wrong that uh, there is uh, such a person uh, in charge of a uh, of the free world <laughs> um i like that again, there's a glitch this, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the in the in the lyrics of the song uh, the communists have the music they uh, at the very beginning they um you know uh, talk um how do you say it Badmouth, uh, Ayn Rand. Uh, so they, and it's you know more sophisticated uh, critique. Although, well, to to know who to be aware of Ayn Rand is uh, uh, you know like a level of consciousness higher than knowing who Trump is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not all people do. And uh, what uh, what also uh, I'm I wonder about is that if that song is about the teenage infatuation with ideology it's uh, it's rather strange that uh, a teenager gets handed an Ayn Rand sandwich and it tastes <laughs> bland to them because so many of them get hooked on that uh, on that stuff like of the uh, on the oppo almost opposing yeah. uh, polarity uh, from communism that uh, 
it's it's very easy to get uh, caught up with it uh, when you're young and you want to rebel against things and you're such an individual and you know the, you're against the world. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just an afterthought. afterthought. And another afterthought I had was uh, um, just one thing I needed to like a postscript to, to, to everything I said about living in uh, Poland and Poland being a uh, a people's republic is whatever you say about communism and about how it works great in theory, but in reality it always gets uh, gets overthrown by a CIA coup d'état. Uh, that it uh, from I, I can talk from my own experience only. No, uh, no one in my family was. Um, ever persecuted uh, no one i know was ever persecuted by the state of well a friend of mine says that his uncle was uh, persecuted because he was gay under the socialist state mm-hmm. um so bad things happened and i know that for for a fact but um, even though uh, those reactionary things occurred in that state and even though it was well people's everyday life was filled with obnoxious propaganda um, from what my grandma told me uh, for example who was a little girl before she when the war started and uh, she was uh, at an age that would enable her to go to school but she couldn't because she couldn't afford it mm. uh, she got her whole education after the after the war in the pe- in the people's republic and also um, the statistics for uh, the possession of shoes in Poland say that before the war there was one shoe per person not one pair of shoes yeah. per person. It was one shoe per person. Wow. And uh, the, the the Stalinists after the war, they just wouldn't have it. The education and uh, healthcare and getting people clothed and literate uh, was very important. Uh, whatever you say about the, uh, this state, more people were better off than before the war. It's crazy how in the U.S. communism is still considered like a dirty word almost. Like it's people who don't know anything about it only know that like throughout history we've fought against communists, you know, the Cold War and, uh, you know, McCarthyism, and, and most of them probably today don't even know about the, you know, the, the House of Un-American Activities Committee. They probably don't even know anything about that. They just know that this word has been passed down through generations of Americans as communists bad. Like, that's pretty much all that they know. Like, communism bad, and they don't know anything about it. Um e- it's 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 a system that is is maybe impossible to to pull off successfully there's always going to be some if not a bunch of jerks at least one jerk that will will screw it up by by wanting to claim power and and you know humans naturally there will be egotistical humans that want to lead and seize power and not have things be equal uh just because humans there are you know there's a lot of dicks among us and so it's hard for everybody to be equal when there's so many uh selfish pricks out there essentially so whatever you think about uh, communism is is you know 
well, I'm not as educated on it as, as most, and I don't know as much about it as you do, I am sympathetic to that ideology, and obviously I want more equality than there is currently. Like you said, the gap between uh, the upper class and and the lower class, and essentially there will be no more middle class in a while, like you said. Um, in, the, in the U.S., it, it's getting really really bad like we talk about like the one percenters is is have you heard that phrase before uh, the one percent that uh, of people who hold on to the 50 percent of the world's wealth right. right yes it's a it's a popular catchphrase also in poland okay uh but also well more it's less popular in poland than actual anti-communism because then uh, even if you are a um liberal in poland it is the fashion after 1990 to be anti-communist so what uh, i'm talking about my views uh, don't represent the views of the majority of of my compatriots interesting yes you were you were the perfect person to have picked this song um I'm, I'm glad to have gotten a worldview on it really really in general i mean talking to another american about it um you know, talking to someone who grew up the same, you know, similar to me, uh, like a lot of Giants fans in the in the U.S. were, were very largely white, and um, the, the, there's a good a good wide swath of, of types of people that listen to they might be Giants. But uh, if I had talked to just another white guy that was in his 30s. Uh, from you know suburban whatever in the U.S., we probably would have had similar experiences. So I'm I'm really gr- glad that you picked the song so I could get you know someone you know halfway around the world to to give me their views on communism, especially having grown up so close to uh, the USSR and being you know influenced by that. So uh, thanks so much for for being on again. And before I let you go though, we need to score the song. Of course, it's come to that time. Yes. So, 1 to 10, with decimals, what do you rate, what do you score, the communists have the music off of My Murdered Remains? I'm scoring the melody of that song, the music of that song, uh, at uh, 9.5, a solid 9.5, because it's not only a great They Might Be Giants song, it's a great song in general, and it's uh, even my friend who is slightly anti-communist and uh, feels uneasy when I when he looks at my playlist uh, called uh, <laughs> "Communists Will Win." Um, they, they said oh, that's that's pretty catchy, and they got it to their own playlist. Uh, so uh, yeah, nine point five, and I think a solid ten for the lyrics because like you said I got handed an Ayn Rand sandwich straight from the can it tasted so bland I, I mean it works in so many ways I could imagine it even as rap and it yeah. wouldn't sound you know awkward and grandfatherly and white I would love to hear a rap version of this so I'm putting that out to the podcast listening public uh, I've, I've called out for covers before and it uh, rarely, but there was one time when I couldn't find a cover for, um, oh, for, um, You Don't Like Me. I couldn't find a single cover for that song. Uh, th- this was an episode I had uh, an Australian guest on, and I made a call out on Twitter. I said, please, I'm recording this episode at 9 p.m. tonight. And this was like not even 12 hours ahead of time. It was during the day. I'm like, 
hey, does anyone want to record a quick cover of this? And a guy did, and it was awesome. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. So I'm putting this out to the podcast listening public. Uh, you musicians out there, if you fancy yourself a rapper, if you created a hip-hop version of the communists have the music uh, and sampled in some of these communist anthems <laughs> in the background, <laughs> that would be fucking incredible because yes these lyrics are definitely rap worthy there's lots of references thrown in there they uh like rappers are allowed to be silly while having a serious topic like there will often be silly um references or references to pop culture things um and in this case it's not necessarily pop culture but you're throwing you're name dropping a lot name dropping is a big thing in the hip-hop uh hip-hop lyrics you're name dropping you're dropping like literal uh literary examples you're dropping song titles people's names um a fashion you're talking about fashion you're talking about music this would make for a great great hip-hop song um so if anyone wants to do that yeah, yes definitely that would be great uh, and uh, see seeing that you have such great response about, among the they might be giants uh, fan base it it's uh, someone might uh, really pull it off but you know what would really be even more amazing if we got someone to do both a hip-hop and a uh, country music cover of that song <laughs> a country music cover of the communists have the music yeah also it would also work really well in a woody guthrie style um socialist uh communist f- folk um American folk, like countryish folk, would definitely um, be. That that would work very well too. That would, yeah, man, <laughs> that really makes this a great song that that you can think about it in many different styles uh, being pulled off successfully. Wow, it's a good song. I think, oh, it's so hard for me to rank these. I'm looking at my scores I've given thus far and the things I've given nines to, and I've been very sparing about my nines and especially about my tens. I've only given two tens, Dr. Worm, and another one I will not mention yet because it has not aired. Um, and I've only given, let's see, in the nines, I gave Don't Let's Start a nine, flat nine, and Ing, 9.9. Um one that has not aired yet i gave a nine two so i'm gonna have to go a little bit below a nine on this one just because it's too new it, it is a great song but i'm gonna go 8.5 on the communists have the music good for you you have great integrity <laughs> <laughs> i you know it's all about ethics in they might be giants podcasting uh so thanks again for being on and we're gonna do another one later um but i think that'll conclude uh polish week here on uh and i've got i've got i've taken a red eye back to the u.s uh (laughs) tonight just kidding we're on the phone you're you're Uh, (laughs) taking the what back to the u.s a a red eye a flight overnight flight have you not heard that Ah, expression yeah yeah an overnight flight like you're so tired because you're on the plane all night and you couldn't sleep your eyes are red uh, from exhaustion. I understand. Yeah. Thank you. I live and I learn. <laughs> I absorb more, no- more knowledge with each podcast. Thank yeah, you. Lang- language is a very bizarre thing. We have a lot of friends that are linguists, you know, Spanish linguists, you know, cars in literature. But we have a lot of friends who are linguists. And, and studying language is a very, it's a very interesting thing. And we have a really good friend who's from Spain. Um and there's all you know. She speaks English very, very well, and she's lived in the in the U.S. for like 20 years. Um, but 
there are still phrases where, where we'll catch her off guard. Most of it has to do with like slang and often like obscenities, you know, stuff like that, that she won't be familiar with. Um, I, I can't remember what, what any of them are, but it, it is, it is crazy. Cause your English is, is very good. And, um, it's funny that I can Thank still, you. I can still catch you off guard with a phrase like that, a red eye flight. So there you go. Now you can add that to your English uh, lexicon. <laughs> thank you you're welcome (laughs) okay thanks again for being on and uh i'll I'll talk to you again later um thanks for making this work the scheduling with these these long distance calls is is tricky um it wasn't as tricky as when i talked to three australians on the same call for that uh australian tour roundup episode being 13 hours and 16 hours ahead uh but um Glad we made this work, and I'll talk to you again later. Uh, That concludes Polish Week on This Might Be a Podcast, and I'll talk to you again, Maciek. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure for me. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Might Be a Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at This Might Be a Pod, on Facebook, facebook.com slash This Might Be a Podcast. You can email me at this might be a pod at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail. I want to hear your voice on the podcast. Your voice with your opinions. Call 224-801-2930. I will play it on a future episode. This might be a podcast is produced by me, Greg Simpson. This episode was edited and mixed by John Walker. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Gianni W G-I-A-N-N-I D-U-B-Y-A Gianni W on Instagram and Twitter. You can find his music at Sci-Fi on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Now that's Sci like S-I-G-H F-I-G-H on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. That's his music. And he has a few podcasts that are on a catch-all station called FYIZ on iTunes and everywhere else. So, find Mr. John Walker. Thanks to Mr. John Walker for editing and mixing this. Please, if you like what you're hearing, go give us a rating on iTunes and anywhere else. Give us that five-star rating. Leave us a review. It helps people find us, helps us make new fans and get new listeners. And please subscribe wherever you listen. If you really like what you're hearing, you could head over to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next time.